are the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care, with a higher level of care, with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Online, too, at CountryRoadsTireOnline.com. Here are your hosts of the 2022 WVBA Talk Show of the Year, Jordan Warner and Marsha Kavalik. It is Monday the 13th, and you're tuned in to Panhandle Live, driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto. They have you covered with two locations to better serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Online, too, at CountryRoadsTireAndAuto.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsha Cavalli. Good morning, Marsha. Good morning, Marsha. Good morning. Jam-packed show, so we want to get right to it because tomorrow we're, we're being preempted mm-hmm. for a good reason. It's the state basketball tournament, so... That's right. Hedgesville uh, is playing Parkersburg South at 930 uh, tomorrow morning. So we'll have your normal, normally scheduled Panhandle Sports Live from 8 to 9. Uh, And then starting at 9 o'clock, we'll go into your uh, WVSSAC basketball coverage. Yes. So uh, thankfully, Heather Polinick over at United Way has been scrambling to change our schedule a little bit. And we really appreciate that because uh, we we didn't want to give short shrift to our United Way of the Eastern Panhandle Unity Campaign, what we're lovingly lovingly dubbing the speed dating segment. And nothing says this more than visually the the group that we have in here. Just we have a full house in our studio, but we appreciate everyone being here. Um, So I'm going to let folks uh, uh, introduce themselves when they get ready to to talk about their group. But um, uh, we, we have folks from Morgan County Starting Point, Shenandoah Community Health. We have Beyond Measure and we have Panhandle Home Health. So we're going to get started from uh, my left. Uh, Tina Burns is with us. And just go ahead and talk about your uh, organization and, and the goals for the Unity Campaign. Good morning. I'm representing this morning's starting points of Morgan County. And it's uh, basically an agency, nonprofit agency that falls under Shenandoah Community Health. And um, our whole goal is um, empowering and strengthening families and um, caring for children. So we have a whole range of services available. And um, events throughout the year. So what are some things that you're you're most, when you think about what um, Starting Points does, uh, what are you most proud of? They're known for their Mealtime Community Kitchen, which provides uh, free meals, hot meals, three uh, days a week in the county. Uh, but uh, they have so many other services. There's a life skills program teaching uh, parents budgeting and uh, just making their way through the world. A new program the past year uh, is a representative that goes to the CPS um, hearings representing families to help facilitate uh, for them getting through that whole process and also um, uh, hopefully seeing prompt reunification of the families. Uh, Another new project in the past couple of years has been expansion to Pawpaw, which is a little more rural and a little more isolated. And there's a lot of need there. Right, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of need there. So we've been providing services there for a couple of years, and we're planning to establish... um, a, an office there uh, through the school system. And uh, what are your goals for the Unity Campaign? 
Uh, the goals uh, are to raise funds just for general support of all our programs. Uh, and I've mentioned just a few of them, but I'm going to leave information with you to read okay. afterwards. And do you know your unity number? I do know our you unity You text un- 7177, mm-hmm. unity number 50. 50? 30, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Unity 30. 30. 30. And okay. then to seven Sounds like a good number for lottery, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like <laughs> Yeah, play the lottery and then share it with the, the unity there campaign, you go. right? Okay. Why not? Got a plan. Okay, so next up is uh, Tiffany Wright, founder of Beyond Measure. Welcome in. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming in. So talk about Beyond Measure. Beyond Measure is a nonprofit that will provide services for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities and unique capabilities. Um, The Unity Campaign, I'm proud to say that this is our first year um, with the Unity Campaign. We are here. Our goal is to raise funds for a brick and border we will love to provide services in Berkeley County and mainly in Martinsburg because that's where the need is. So, so how are you doing it now? We're not. We're not opening. We're oh, not yeah. open now. Okay. Okay. But again, we are fully legal and mm-hmm. everything. We just at, we're at a standstill with right. services because we need space. So what what causes you to want to do this mission in particular? What's the backstory? The backstory is I'm a mother. Of two That'll adult children <laughs> that um, I have a son that has autism and I have a daughter that is um, multiply disabled. Mm. So I'm new to the area. And when I started to look for programming for my children, um, I was taken back and I felt compelled as a mother and a professional to try to find or provide quality services for this demographic. Wow. Yeah, that's definitely motivation. Um, So what are you what are your goals as far as, you know, once you get that brick and mortar building, uh, what do you really hope um, it becomes? Will it be a meeting place? Will it be a place where um, counselors can help? Will it be a place where kids can get after school help? Um, our goal is to provide quality day services for adults with tw- that's 21 years and older. Wow. This okay. would be great, um, a safe space for the people that we serve, a social space for them amongst their peers, continued education. We will provide daily living skills, social skills. Um, health and wellness. I'm really excited for our health and wellness piece. We have partnered with other local um, businesses and nonprofits here. So we have a lot in store for the people that we will serve. Very cool. And how can people, uh, or what's your unity number? My unity number is unity six. Nice. Unity six beyond measure seven, one, seven, seven, seven. And how can folks find out more about your, your mission and all of that? You can go to our website, www.beyondmeasurewv.org. You can follow us on Facebook, Beyond Measure WV, and on Instagram, Beyond Measure WV. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, so our next guests are from Panhandle Home Health, and I'll let you introduce yourselves. Good morning. I'm Carrie Goodwin with Panhandle Home Health. I'd uh, thank you for the opportunity to be here, and I'd also like to introduce my guest. Christy Parson, she's got such a unique perspective because not only was she a nurse at Panhandle Home Health, but she's also been one of our patients. Oh, wow. Okay, so we've had Panhandle Health, uh, Home Health on a number of years. So a lot of folks who are listeners know about the mission and all of that. But but for someone who's uh, just learning about, about Panhandle Home Health, what's it all about? It's, um, you know, it's a nonprofit agency in the community. Um, 
they, we really strive. I say we because I that'll yeah. always be a part sure. of my heart. Um, strive to you know help people in the home. So you get out of the hospital or you're having a surgery, such as a knee replacement, hip replacement. Um, I've had them a couple times for. I got out of the hospital from a surgery. I had a wound vac. I cannot change. I could probably change it myself, but I couldn't see parts that I needed to do and see the wound clearly enough. So I needed the nurse to come in and assess that, make sure everything was really good and, you know, communicate with the doctor if there were any issues and things like that. And of course, then, you know, you're in the hospital, you're not as strong when you get home. So physical therapy and occupational therapy, um, home health aides, there's social work, dietitian, you know, some of the, sometimes you need a good bit of those things. I know, unfortunately, I had uh, COVID in 2020 and had a very long hospital stay. So I had occupational therapy, physical therapy, the nurse. Um, I came home on oxygen, barely able to walk. And I was back at work at Panhandle Home Health. I came home January 10th, and I was back at work by the end of March with mm. walking with no assistive device and off of oxygen. So between my drive and their ability to identify like what, because the steps for me were terrible and I was scared. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about that, sometimes that's being scared is a hindrance to our ability to move forward. So they were able to identify that and help me work through that to be able to get that completed because I needed to get out of the home. So, and you know, I just love both parts of it because being a nurse at Panhandle Home Health you know, we work with a talented group of people and we collaborate with physical therapy and occupational therapy and all the other disciplines that come into the home. So you, we see the overall picture of the patient and you're not just one separate thing going on your team. Mm -hmm. So when, and, you know, we educate family members on how to take care of their um, loved ones when mm -hmm. they get home from that. That's a big thing is a lot of education. And you've seen both sides of it yes. now. Mm -hmm. How, how much better are the outcomes if a person can be at home? Oh, it was, I did so much better at home, personally. I just thrived. I couldn't wait to get out of the hospital. Couldn't wait for them to come. Um, the physical therapist came on the first day, and I said, I can't stand up by myself. He said, sure, you can. Let's do this. Well. And, um, just need a little extra yeah, push. Just the, well, and he taught me things <clears throat> that I did not know. Because I'm not a physical therapist, mm -hmm. I'm a nurse, so we have different um, abilities. And he's, you know, he showed me everything I needed to know to use, um, you know, like the couch as part of my stuff to push up. And when I, it was a lot of work and very hard. But when I stood up, I cried because I was wow. like, "This is something that I haven't been able to do since I've been home." Man, what a testimonial! All right, so it's Unity Campaign time. What's the goal, and and what will that will those funds be used for? Yeah. Um, we appreciate the partnership that we have with the United Way during this unity campaign. And this year we are fundraising for CPR um, supplies, mannequins, certifications, masks, um, all those things that go along with that. We train our staff annually to be certified in CPR. And so that was just a, a great help to provide that service to our staff. Perfect. And your unity campaign number? 32. Perfect. To 71777. Well, thank you all for stopping by for our Unity Campaign segment. It's always fun to do these, especially when we have a full house to get to hear all these different you know, uh, programs and organizations and things that are going on that you might not uh, know about 
anyway, so uh, we're happy to be a part of it. Thank you all for coming in. And, um, yeah, I guess we'll talk to you all again soon. Thank you. Perfect. And we'll step aside for a few minutes. Be back with more Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Here are your hosts, Jordan Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto. Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Marsha Kavalik. If you missed any of our Unity Campaign speed dating segment, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on the Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. It was a packed house this morning. Um, so like I said, if you missed any of it, listen back a little bit later on. And over the weekend, Marsha, well, yesterday, um, well, over the weekend. Saturday. Was it Saturday? Yeah, Saturday. Okay, Saturday. Are we talking about our next guest? Correct. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Saturday over the weekend. uh, Well, there was a pretty scary story. Yeah, absolutely. A fire broke out uh, at the Vanville Church of Christ. Joining us via phone this morning, we're glad that he can, is their pastor. And uh, Pastor Dan, I'm going to allow you to uh, ask you to pronounce your last name so I don't mess it up. Okay, it's Nick Fitch. It's it's just as it's spelled. Ah. Fitch without the T's, I say. Okay. (laughs) Great. Well, welcome in, Pastor Nixich. And um, tell us about Saturday. And, uh, you know, first of all, glad no one was injured. And, and our prayers are with you guys. And the prayers of the whole community have been. And uh, walk us through what happened. Well, Saturday, I got home about noon. And I, a half hour later, I got a call that, you know, the church was on fire. So we came here and I, about half the congregation ended up being here at one time or another. And it was obviously a bittersweet moment a lot of great memories here but but we're focused already then on you know moving forward god's been blessing us tremendously recently we've had a 30 to 50 percent uptick in in uh, in uh, attendance so offerings have been up uh, really through covid through covid we were taking in more money than before so we've done a lot of improvements on the building so now the focus is on what's next you know where what are we going to do rebuild what what's next we have secured a meeting place at berkeley county youth fairgrounds we met there yesterday and moving forward so it's, it's optimistic that's amazing uh the day after the church uh had a fire in, in your building you you met right right we we had some contacts and we had other people offered buildings but this one was available and uh we're going to be there plus at our pavilion which we just built recently on our grounds when weather weather warms up excuse me but we'll we have access to the Youth fairgrounds. We have to meet nine thirty this next week because they had something else booked a little later in the morning. But ten thirty most Sundays, we'll be there until weather breaks. So, what's the damage look like at the church? Well, the if you look at the building as a whole, the middle part, the roof is down. The downstairs, as far as we can tell, we can't get in yet. Fire marshal, insurance, they're still working. But as far as we can tell, the downstairs, which we just refurbished through COVID. Uh, might only have water damage, as okay. far as we know so far. I got a few things out of my office, things hanging on the wall, ordination certificate and other things, just water damage in my office. Also was able to rescue my favorite picture of my wife, so that was important, <laughs> so got that out of there. <laughs> also very moving on social media. It's been circulating around pictures of the, the firefighters carrying the cross. Yes, yes. Talk about that. that. Cross was, 
Yeah, that cross was hand-built on site here. There's a man that had a ministry travel around, and the guys helped in hewing the wood and putting it together as before my time. But you can you can imagine how touching that was for them and for me as well. That cross stood up front just uh, to the right of the center of the sanctuary, just a, a symbol that's often looked to, pointed out, used as a reminder, object lesson in our lessons, and just meant a lot. There's some scorching on it, but, you know, it's going to be part of whatever happens here, whether it's a rebuild or refurbishing what we have. How old is the Vanville Church of Christ? The church is 102 years old. The original section was built 1921. Wow. And is this the first of any, you know, um, uh, what, disaster like this? Yeah. Yes, uh, nobody recalls anything like that. The, the uh, newer part was built, I think, in 71. Hmm. So, you know, it, it's been something that serves this community and this church for a long, long time. And just, uh, as I said, we were able to put a lot of money into it in recent years, new roofing, new refurbishing the downstairs, bought land and uh, built the pavilion. And just we've been blessed in the last, in, just in the six-plus years I've been here. And uh, just a tremendous time, as I said, attendance and offerings been way up recently. We had 130 some yesterday, which is right where we've been where we've been at attendance wise in the last four or five weeks. Well, what's next for the church? Well, you know, insurance is going to partly determine that whether we'll just rebuild if that's possible, or whether we have to build on site. We have we we bought acreage. Uh, I think it's eight acres that adjoined our property and uh, built a pavilion. So we have property right here if we need to rebuild, and sometimes our question was, well, we don't know why exactly now we're buying this, but sometime in the future somebody will use it. Well, maybe we'll be the ones using it in a special way. I, I just don't know yet. Have you heard any indications as to what started the fire? Fire marshal's still working on that. We've heard a couple ideas kicked around, but, you know, we'll let them that determine that. You know, I think our focus mostly is just moving forward, and, of course, insurance company is just getting started on their end of it so i've had some contact with them but we'll have to wait on them getting out here and doing a appraisal adjustment whatever however they do it you know we're trusting god will guide everybody we'd love to have you back in whenever you guys um have a a grand reopening or or building dedication rededication um uh because what what a great story out of the ashes this is a horrible thing to have happen but you sound so upbeat and the community's response has been so upbeat. Oh, yes, already. We had somebody contact us, wanted to make a donation, so the site administrator got her the treasurer's address. I don't know who this person is. I didn't recognize the name, but, yeah, already there's a tremendous outpouring. And just as you said, out of the ashes, that's been a phrase that's appeared frequently already, out of the ashes. So we're anticipating great things. Wow. Well, sir, thank you for joining us this morning, and uh, good luck with um, the rehabilitation of the building. Thank you. Thank you. I'll gladly get back to you when, when, when we have that rededication or reopening or whatever. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care. And that's Pastor Dan from the Vanville Church of Christ after their fire at the at the uh, church on Saturday, which uh, Luke was just out and about and mm-hmm. stumbled upon it. Kind of funny. And um, they always say, you're, you know, you're a new, good newsie if you're following sirens around. So wow. maybe... Maybe he just uh, stumbled across it at the right time. But I like to think he just has a good nose for news, <laughs> yeah. you know. I think so, too. <laughs> but that's a, a very interesting story. Wasn't expecting that one to come across Mm-mm. the come across the wire. No, and then, of course, um, you can you can see on um, our uh, 
wvmetronews.com and panhandlenewsnetwork.com the story about the Morgan County homicide. Uh, That story broke over the weekend. I was emailing Sheriff uh, Casey Bohr of Morgan County, I I think it was like 10.30 Saturday night. He got back to me around 3. He said, Mm. I just got home because they were investigating all night. Wow. They're still looking for tips if the public has any information. Well, we'll keep you up to date on that, especially on our website at panhandlenewsnetwork.com and our Facebook page uh, at Panhandle News Network. So we'll step aside a few minutes, come back. We'll be speaking with 16th District Senator Patricia Rucker uh, down state, down in Charleston. So that's after the break on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Taking local stories and sharing them with the four state. This is Panhandle Live with hosts Jordan Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by or driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto with two locations in Martinsburg and Hedgesville to better serve you. You can catch them up uh, or catch up with them online at CountryRoadsTireAndAuto.com or CountryRoadsTireOnline.com. Country Roads Tire and Auto, proud sponsor of Panhandle Live. Of course, we're here from the Hoppy Kirchival building. Jordan Ice Warner alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. Uh, hopefully here in a few minutes. Oh. There she right is. On cue, <laughs> right on cue. Our next guest is joining us on the line. Yeah, hopefully she can help us make sense of the the uh, newly finished legislative session that wrapped up on Saturday. It is 16th District Senator Patricia Rucker out of Jefferson County. Welcome in. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, what's it like the Monday after? <laughs> yeah, you didn't want to call in or anything today, call in sick? <laughs> I'm very glad I'm on at 9.30 and not 8.30. That's how I'll say. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, takeaways from the session, what do you think were wins? What were some things that were frustrating? Um, okay. Well, we had a lot of wins. I'm really grateful that finally we have some tax reform and tax relief for our citizens. I was very um, happy to see us pass uh, some legislation that we have tried for years to pass and never made progress on, and we finally got it through this year. One of those I'm very happy to be part of was um, treating all students the same when it comes to extracurricular activities. So 2820 passed with language I amended in my school choice committee to make certain all students, no matter where they get an education, are just treated equally with the same set of rules. And um, allowing a one-time transfer in high school Um, which I think is just an essential common sense thing to do, especially now that we have school choice in the state of West Virginia. We don't want to punish the child for taking advantage of that. We also did some great uh, legislation protecting children, um, but we failed in some of the uh, other legislation that was supposed to protect children. So, you know, a lot of mixed bags. It's kind of hard to believe that with a supermajority in the House and the Senate, you know, we couldn't get certain things through, like locality pay. I'm really disappointed. Senate Bill 593 failed to pass in the House. It passed from the Senate unanimously. And all it did was have a study of the cost of living adjustments that we could make for state employees. And it would have been a great first step towards finally addressing this issue we face in the Eastern Panhandle, which is affecting our education, our safety, um, 
I mean, pretty much everything. Uh, I see everybody knows about the CPS workers, the correctional facilities. It's just, it's just crazy that we can't get that through. Um, so we had some failures, but we had a lot of successes. Most of those state employees covered by the uh, Public Employees Insurance uh, Agency, a lot of movement there in an effort to make it be, uh, be more solvent. But some of it could uh, have ancillary impacts on border counties like us. Um, what's your take on the changes with PEIA? So, as you know, um, like we, we have to be responsible to make certain that we do make the changes um, that are necessary to keep it as a viable option and a viable, you know, uh, insurance for uh, protecting our state employees. Having said that, I definitely wish that we could have phased it in slower and it not being just one year. Um, obviously, I'll be paying very close attention to what effect it may have. Uh, we already have such a shortage of state employees in the local area because, again, the lack of locality pay, the higher cost of living here, just impossible to retain those employees. This is definitely something that may exacerbate that. Whatever we can do um, to, to resolve that issue, I can assure you the Eastern Panhandle delegation really has this as a top priority, all of us who represent the Eastern Panhandle. So I know education, top priority for you and, and school choice. And, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier when you were on with us uh, uh, probably a month ago uh, that you wanted some uh, special, uh, you know, ideas about uh, classroom learning. There was also talk about a K through three plan. Where did that end up? So that was one of the more uh, humorous things that happened. So why do you say that? I'm trying not to laugh. I'm sorry. Um, so both the House and the Senate had their versions of the K-3 education reading literacy, you know, push to basically help bring us, um, you know, to, to just better uh, handling of reading and the K-3 education system, which is just like so important for future success. And neither of the, the Senate or the House plan made it through so in the last week, the House threw their legislation into another bill, and when it came to the Senate, we threw our version, which included my dyslexia language, into that bill. So the bill that ended up passing doesn't mention K-3 or dyslexia, but all of it passed in House Bill 3035. And so that's why I'm laughing. And why, what will it do then? <laughs> Frankenstein bill. It's just funny the way the legislative process goes. And if you're not paying attention, you think, oh, my goodness, they didn't pass these bills. But it just passed another bill. Anyway, so essentially what it does, um, so it encourages, um, obviously, having more aid in first grade, second grade, and third grade. It first prioritizes first grade classrooms and trying to tr get... Um, good support in the first grade classroom. After that, then it moves on to second grade and then third grade. It has, um, it basically mandates certain screening to be done multiple times a year so that we can make certain that we catch issues like dyslexia, but any other type of issues that is holding a child back from being able to read and comprehend what they're reading so that we can set them on the path for success. And it's 
sets up benchmarks and accountability so that we will be able to track the progress that we're making, see what works, and see what doesn't work, and hopefully adjust um, so that really we really want to make certain that when it comes to reading, this this is something that we resolve in the public arena. Is it a fair question to ask if you're satisfied with the bill? I, I, I can't say I'm dissatisfied because um, we did end up just shoving everything in it. <laughs> but it was just funny the way it happened. I, I don't know why it was so difficult to pass the original bills. I don't know why it was difficult to pass dyslexia legislation just by itself. But hey, whatever. It's, this is part of the legislative process, I guess. Also, something that got attention throughout the legislative session, little, you know, a bit unsavory, I guess, the idea, but a pay raise for legislators. Uh, so what's your response for constituents who's like, oh, my goodness, you guys are voting yourselves in a, a pay raise. What's up with that? Well, I will tell you that, again, um, we've given now four pay raises to state employees in the six years that I've been there. We have not asked for or expected any pay increases. But the reality is, you know, most of the legislators um, that run are not looking for pay raises or asking for any extra money. But you are spending, it's it's almost full-time work to be a legislator. I mean, it's supposed to be part-time, but I can tell you there's not a single day in which I'm not responding to constituents, seeking help, doing research, and and it does affect our lives 24-7. Um, so I, I don't think it's an unfair thing to increase our pay a little bit, considering the amount of work that we do, and also with, as everyone knows, the inflation and the higher cost of everything. We have been not have adjusted our per diem rate um, in, I heard, 20 years. And I can tell you, the per diem we receive does not pay the cost of us just finding a place to stay in Charleston much less does it pay for food, gasoline, and the other things that we have to also spend money on while we're down there. So at the end of the day, is there a pay raise, and is it tied to the state's, um, you know, to, to their good health as yes. uh, financially? That did make it through. Um, so it is tied to how well the state is doing, and there is, only, you know, a slight increase in our pay, but the most important thing was the per diem um, increase that just adjusts for inflation since the last 20 years. Our guest this morning, Senator Patricia Rucker, anything else that you want to let the uh, Panhandle listeners know about? Well, I'm really grateful to be home. I can tell you that I will have some opportunities coming up to talk and meet with my um, constituents, but they all know how to reach me. My cell phone, my email, it's all on my website, and I'm really grateful. Another session's wrapped up. Well, I actually had a question for you before uh, we let you go. I'm sorry. I think you might have mentioned it a little bit uh, at the beginning of your uh, well, of our conversation with you, but was it Senate Bill uh, 262, that uh, transfer ruling for athletics? Has that? I saw words on or over the weekend there were tweets going out about that being passed, and I think that's going to be a pretty big game changer for not just the schools but the athletics at a lot of these schools, uh, particularly here in the Panhandle. So do you know anything about that, if that's gotten passed? I'm trying to remember. Sorry. That's, no, you're uh, fine. Let me look it up real quick. I think uh, it, it takes out the 300 or the year uh, that the student has to sit out to play athletics if they transfer schools. I think it okay. Yes, exactly. So 
that actually got put into that 2820. That's why I was a little bit confused. Mm -hmm. So that 2820 that I mentioned did have that in there. It just allows a one-time transfer one time during the four years of high school, which means the child doesn't get penalized for a year if they transfer one time. Um, within the four years of high school. It doesn't take away any of the flexibility for special circumstances or obviously if if the family moves, it doesn't change any of that. But what that does, to me at least, I can tell you, um, if a student does take advantage of the new school choice option, so like, for example, here in the Eastern Panhandle, there's going to be a charter school opening up in Berkeley County that's business-related, and you have a ninth or 10th grader who wants to take advantage of that new charter school, business school, and they want to transfer to that school right within the county, if we had not passed this legislation for taking advantage of that opportunity, they would have been penalized from participating in extracurricular sports for a year. And so to me, giving this option of a one-time transfer just, is part and parcel of if we're going to offer school choice, let's not punish the kids to actually take advantage of it. Again, 16th District Senator Patricia Rucker, thank you for joining us on Panhandle Live this morning. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. You do the same. Again, that's 16th District Senator Patricia Rucker joining us on Panhandle Live. They certainly did have a busy couple of days down there in Charleston. I don't know how they keep the bills straight because it's a House bill, it's a Senate bill, it's this number, it's that number. Then, as she mentioned, the one bill just kind of got all mashed together. What is it after that? You know, what do you call it after that? Yeah, I don't know, but that got (laughs) tweeted. uh, I can't remember who put the tweet out, but it made its rounds around uh, West Virginia sports Twitter, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say. And um, a lot of people were saying that they're concerned about that bill because it takes, you know, any reason for some of these, like you think of, I don't know, just for the sake of example, Berkeley Springs, mm-hmm. right? They're always going to have a football team. But they always had a football team because, you know, kids, they, where else are they going to go, right? Because sure. it's tough to transfer, go different places because you had to sit out. Now, say there's five guys on the Berkeley Springs team that are really good, but the team itself isn't that good, right? So they want to go somewhere and transfer Ooh. out. So they all go somewhere. They all end up going diff- different places. So now you have no interest in this team by any of the students because all the good players are gone. They're going to not win a game. They're going to get beat. So It's like a talent train. Right. So then down the line, that potentially that sport's gone because the interest is gone from that sport. Oh. So that's one of the things that people are, are saying. I mean, some people are for it. Um, I mean, that opens up schools like the Panhandle, I think, is going to be especially big with it, um, with Martinsburg. And, I mean, you always hear, no matter who you talk to, no matter the last, what, 90 years, there's always somebody always wants to start a rumor about, you know, somebody transferring to Martinsburg for this reason, okay, that but reason. You know, you and know now there happens, is. But you know what happened. And now there I mean, not is necessarily a legal just, way to do it. Not just to Martinsburg. It, it, happens, it happens all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's codified now. Right. So I'll be uh, very interested to see what that um, does to the landscape of athletics here in the state of West Virginia, high school athletics in the state of West Virginia, particularly in the panhandle. And what are your thoughts on it? How do you feel about the uh, high school athletics bill being passed where that three hundred that year-long uh, sitting out from athletics is no longer? Text us, 304-263-4321. And we'll step aside one final time. We'll come back and wrap things up on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. From Pawpaw to Harper's Ferry, from Martinsburg to Winchester, it's Panhandle Live with hosts Jordan Warner and Marsha Kavalik. 
sensations make me feel the pleasures of a Welcome back to Panhandle Live, driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. And Marsha, I uh, well, I guess I introduced you to some information about a well, two good friend of ours, good two mm-hmm. two good friends of the program, uh, listeners to what was that? The first week, I think, of the reboot of Panhandle Live. It was Live. pretty early on in 2021. <laughs> Would remember the name Curtis Fleming, Fly Rod Chronicles, a uh, West Virginia, uh, almost West Virginia Hall of Famer, I Fame, think, at this point. Famous West Virginia. As a matter of fact, his picture, as I told you, is up at Pipeston mm-hmm. Park. They have a whole gallery up of famous West Virginians. And I'm like, wait a minute. Right. I know that guy. Yeah. We had him on the show. <laughs> Curtis is the man. He's got a great show, Fly Rod Chronicles. And on their upcoming show, I don't think it's broadcast yet no i don't think it's out yet uh but there is um like i said another friend of the program miss west virginia elizabeth lynch is joining the show so um of course well there's really no reason to watch it to be able to watch it so we'll play it for you uh but it's pretty cool this episode of fly rod chronicles with curtis fleming this week's episode of fly rod chronicles is all about getting women involved in fly fishing we head over to north marion high school to meet up with Ashley Anderson and Julie Barr from the West Virginia DNR to give a presentation on their initiative, Becoming an Outdoor Woman. After that, we let the kids cast the fly rod to win some prizes. Following the presentation, we take West Virginia Educator of the Year, Superintendent Dr. Donna Heston, Principal Kristen Duvall, as well as current Miss West Virginia, Elizabeth Lynch to stay the night at Canaan Valley State Park. The next morning, it's nothing but business as these women are determined to catch their first fish on a fly rod. Stick around, this show is full of good food, good drinks, amazing people, and tons of fish. Well, how cool is that? How, I think what, she caught one. What a jam! It looked, it looked like, like they all caught him. And hey, I've I know a couple of people that have gone on fishing trips with Curtis, and uh, I've asked Curtis himself this too. I think I asked him on the show uh, this as well. And I said, "How come with all these fishing shows, everybody's always catching so many fish?" And I go out, and it's a struggle just catching one. And, and he's never really gave me an answer, but he said, "Hey, if you go fish with me, trust me, you're going to catch a fish." And he will go, especially if cameras are rolling. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you need to go fishing with Curtis. Hey, it'd be cool. I've never fly fish. You should fished. totally do that. Never fly fish before. You ever done that? Fly fishing? No. Mm-mm. It looks cool. It's the coolest. I mean, I used to go fishing a ton um back in the day. I mean, I'd had the the chest waders that go mm-hmm. out in the Potomac Did and you? do different things. Oh you yeah. Chest waders. Heck yeah, that's the best way to fish the Potomac cuz you can't get nothing from the uh because it's so shallow, mm-hmm. can't get nothing from the bag. So you got to get in there um, and do it. But it always looked way cooler. The guys out there with the uh, with the flies, with mm-hmm. the back and forth, and you know you got the the dusk and the steam sure. and things. I always thought that was cooler. But shout out to Miss uh, West Virginia Elizabeth Lynch for heading out there. And you said during the break, it sounds like she's certainly taking advantage oh, of yeah. uh, her role, her, living her best Miss West Virginia life. You know, that's so cool for her. She's always all over the place, I see, on her social media. So, yeah, shout out to shout out to Miss West Virginia, Elizabeth Lynch. And um, tell you what, that, that the pageant scene is certainly starting to heat up because before we know it, mm-hmm. Marsha, it's going to be time for, is that June? Yes. Middle we need June, to start end of getting June. some of the ladies on. Yeah, it's going to be back to Miss West Virginia pageant time, which uh, we have... Somehow become uh, the hub for your Miss West Virginia pageant. That's not a bad thing. No, 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 no. I, I don't you, say that. You know, in the a bad funny way. part is the remarkable part is you're like our you're a correspondent. Your it's interesting. 
And I mean, especially since I mean, your third year doing it. I know. And I've said this before, but I mean, growing up, I always thought it was just a beauty contest. Whoever was the prettiest one. Right. But uh, little did I know uh, how deep it goes and, you know, learning all the stuff that these young ladies are doing and, uh, you know, how prolific they are at such mm-hmm. young ages is pretty impressive. Kind of intimidating, too. It is Am intimidating. Right? Definitely is intimidating. <laughs> But very cool. Shout out to Miss uh, all of the ladies in the Miss West Virginia organization. But Miss Elizabeth Lynch for uh, looked like catching what was that yeah, rainbow fixed, trout? I don't Something know, like but it that. was a big it was a big fish. Did you have a good weekend? Did you go fishing? You didn't go fishing. It was too cold. No, I did not go fishing. What did I do this week? I didn't really do much. Hung out with some friends. <laughs> but that that's, right a, that's the point, though. You guys have been so busy in the sports department for months. I know. So isn't it nice? It is you nice. Got, yeah, nice. I drove most of the weekend. Well, there you go. So. Well, Luke will be making that same drive that you did. He'll be down state covering the uh, boys basketball tournament for us for the uh, Panhandle Sports crew or for the Panhandle News Network crew, really, mm-hmm. for that matter. Uh, and the big one that uh, well gets everything started, just like the Maryland-West Virginia game is going to get the NCAA tournament started. Getting things started will be uh, Hedgesville taking on Parkersburg South. It's going to be a pretty big one, and you had your eyes out on Twitter, over, or on Twitter, on social media over the weekend on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Looked like they had a pretty cool send-off yeah, for the Hedgesville players. I, I think Luke went over and got the picture and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and texted us, but yeah, I know one of the moms, and she posted that they were going to have a, a send-off, so I thought that was really cool. And, you know, how often do you get to say that your kid played in a team that got to go to the state tournament? Really cool. Well, they're going as a, going in as the number six seed, and we'll be playing Parkersburg South, number three seed, tomorrow at nine. And I have to say, as a listener to Panhandle Sports Live, you were right. Like they, you know, Hedgesville was a bit of a dark Thank horse, you. right? Thank you, Marcia. You know, my co-host on Panhandle Sports Live didn't say that, so I appreciate but it. I'm I, glad somebody saw it. I see you. Been riding with them all year long. I knew it from the first game I saw Hedgesville play. I just thought they. Well, what did they say? They had those intangibles. They had those intangibles that you look mm-hmm. for. But they're not the only Panhandle team in action downstate. Jefferson, going in as number 7 seed, will be taking on GW at 1 p.m. tomorrow. We'll have both those games right here on WPM and WCST. The Hedgesville game starting at uh, 9.30. We'll have the coverage starting at 9 o'clock right here. So there will not be a Panhandle Live. So you get the morning off, Marsha. You're welcome. I'm heady with excitement. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'll be Congratulations. writing stories. Yeah. But we'll have that starting here at 9. You'll still get Panhandle Sports live from 8 to 9, but at 9 o'clock and then until uh, the end of the game, you'll get Parkersburg South, and then we'll pick things back up at 1 o'clock for Jefferson and GW. But, yeah, it was a, it was a successful girls' tournament, I think, for mm-hmm. uh, Panhandle teams. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah, I get Kayla Dandridge making the all-tournament team for the girls, and um, Morgantown ends up beating Wheeling Park for the Quad A state title. Spring Mills had a great appearance. Got to the Final Four and uh, unfortunately losing to the eventual um, or to the eventual champion. So, yeah, and very cool. A chance for our listeners to hear in his 50th year of broadcasting, Fred Persinger. That's right. Can you that believe it? Distinctive voice. Yeah, I was talking to my dad the other day, and uh, he's from West Virginia. He played in the state tournament back when he was in high school, and he was like, yeah, you know, Fred called my game, too. Get out. Are you serious? <laughs> I think it was like year four for Fred at that point. But uh, <laughs> He had a very, you know, young-sounding voice. Yeah, if you go back, you can find the uh, the old... Reel-to-reel? Yeah, the old programs. <laughs> they're They're out there, and they're... Pretty interesting. Um, pretty interesting. Go back and listen to those. Fun but, fact, you can hear his son, who worked here for a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, as the voice at the theater, Berkeley at the Berkeley uh, Cinemas. There you go. Oh, you did tell me that. I've yet to go to that movie theater. Oh, but, my, um, my kids watched Cocaine Beer. Oh, they yesterday. went there? <laughs> it's, oh, it's as advertised. <laughs>
Joaquin Berry. I have not gone to see that. Oh, um, while we got a, a chance, we only have about 20 seconds. Did you watch any of the Oscars? No. Last night? I didn't no. either. I don't think anything cool happened, so who cares? No slapping. Yeah, nobody got slapped, so does it really, does it really matter? <laughs> That's where it is now. <laughs> well, if you missed any of the show, Dave, listen back to it a little bit later on. Panado News Network, Facebook, and Spotify page. Uh, for Marsha, I'm Jordan. Have a good one. We will talk to you WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.